This is Dead Air, the unofficial Grateful Dead radio program for the official releases. The radio program airs on about 75 radio stations around the globe, and this is what you can consider a side trip. It has something to do with the Grateful Dead, but we kind of have to reach a little bit. Uh, taking a look at Bob Weir's 2020 tour itinerary, he has some very talented opening acts. One of them is Maggie Rose. Now, not only does she have the honor of getting the audience all pumped up and ready for Bobby, but she has an incredible musical journey herself. She started out with a big record label, but then she decided to call an audible, get back to her roots and do what she really likes to do. And I like what she's doing. So I thought it would be a good idea to catch up with her, talk a little bit about her uh, latest projects and what it's like being on the road with Bobby Weir. I've been describing it lately as American rock and soul. I think we're just in the age of so many subgenres emerging, which I love, and it makes it very exciting to be a musician, but it's a little bit of uh, soul mixed with the composition of instruments that we use on stage live and in the studio. And um, it's high energy. There's some country in there. I'm based in Nashville storytelling, songwriting. So I feel like that's that's how to encapsulate all of it is with that description. When we set about making change the whole thing, it just felt like the natural next step. And I didn't want to use studio musicians, even though they're super talented, they're kind of what you're hearing on a majority of the records coming out of Nashville. And there's a lot of character and individuality with the people that I play with live. And I know they can do it. So it was just fun to put that challenge in front of us and make the live record. It was mostly liberating to do it that way because I think we all had to compromise at the end of each take. Like, all right, maybe that's not the one. One person messed up. The whole group had to live and die by that take. So there's a lot of compassion for one another and uh, understanding that we all need each other to pull it off. So it was, it was a pretty bonding experience. It was pretty awesome to bring that idea to fruition and have it end up sounding the way that it did. And it brought us all closer. And I think it made us better musicians to have a camera in your face and you know, 15 other people looking at you. If you screw up, then you're the culprit. Um, there's just a lot of empathy for each other in that process. and. I was happy to have them beside me. I mean, it takes a village, and I'd look pretty stupid standing up there by myself, but they're also just really good friends of mine that, you know, I've been in Nashville for quite some time now, and these are my friends. And we collaborate together, we've written songs together. My drummer has been with me for almost nine years. And now, is it true that you guys were originally just getting together for like a three-song project and then all of a sudden it just blew up from there? Yes. Yeah, you you did your homework. We were going to do just a little project because the constraints of doing it live and not messing with a lot of editing and just having it be what it was felt kind of niche. But then with the three songs turning out the way they did, and they were pretty important songs. We did... Just getting by and smooth and pull you through all in the first session. And pull you through ended up being a super important song, reaching a lot of people. So it just felt like a sign that we had to 
pursue finishing out an LP in the same way that we had cut those three songs. Did we ever get one song on its first take? There were a few that we got pretty close. Every song is one solid take all the way through, but I don't believe that any of the recordings on the album are the take that we did the first time for any of the songs. I mean, not every note was perfect, but that's part of the beauty of this record. And it, it taught me a lot about who I am as a singer. And you can get just as drained from trying to implement too many of the tools that we have now to make it a full production. But I think it can be equally as draining for people who are doing like a deep dive into conceptualizing a recording with production, just as it can be with the live music. There's some level of forgiveness that you have to just agree with. And there was never any time where anyone was saddened by having to go back and do it again because the energy was so high in the room that we wouldn't linger on that moment if there was a mistake. Because you knew if you're going to give this individual a hard time, it was just a matter of time before it was going to come back around to you. So I think there's just this idea of, okay, let's, let's keep going. We're running out of tape. Let's make use of our time. And we're having so much fun that even in the mistakes, you know, that it's music and it's meant to be enjoyed. And I think that we had to carry through with that attitude. And you'll see if you watch some of those videos from the recordings that there were slight changes in the configurations of who we had in the rooms because these were all friends of mine, but members of different bands that were on the road touring. So the logistical challenge of getting everyone's schedules to match up was one of the biggest hurdles for this project, honestly. Every day Seems like you wake up in the morning A little bit further from where you want to be You're losing faith Say, what's the point of trying when you're running out of time and you're in this deep? Well, I am trying to tell you what to do. Lord knows I got a lot to learn myself, but it's getting hard to watch. We first started recording for that project in summer of 17. My label dissolved in 2015, in like June. So it was a pretty quick turnaround of just. I put a few EPs out with songs that I really love, but you know the production and, and intent maybe wasn't quite there that was there with Change the Whole Thing, but songs that I still perform, but then landed upon the path that I think that I'm going to be on for a long time. I think what we're doing now has such sustainability and it's the happiest I've ever been making music, but I definitely am not worried about 
getting a song number one on country radio. I'm worried about making a great body of work and reaching new audiences. And it feels like a new beginning in a lot of ways. I had been signed to labels pretty much from the moment that I moved to Nashville in 2008 and had the first moment in my career to really evaluate what it was that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I think a lot of it is just the timing in which I was serving my music to country radio. I love Nashville. I'm a better musician because of living there. But yes, of course, there was a, a little system that I had to untangle myself from. And it was just, it was the right time. I was discovering really who I was as an artist. And the evolution that's happened in my career and with my music has been seismic and, and huge for me. But those relationships with people that I have known since I moved to Nashville are in many ways even stronger than they were because they're seeing that I'm becoming a fully realized human being and it's fun to watch people be themselves. And I think there's so many artists that I talk to and friends of mine who are in that same boat of feeling that need to define their identity when really there shouldn't be that pressure. It's just this continuously evolving thing that we're creating and sharing. I've been given so, so many opportunities. I mean, there's no reason to do anything out of resentment. I think I, I when everything seemingly collapsed around me and th that was nothing too dramatic, it was the label that I was with, the relationship I was in, I had an investor who I, I was separating from. Like all of those things disappeared really in one short period of time. And even in the face of that, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Not make music anymore? And you just keep going. And I, I got a littler apartment and kind of consolidated my life and got a publishing deal and started writing and putting things out on my own and trying a few things until changed the whole thing really did a lot for me too. I mean, that album was, a, we kind of stumbled upon it in the beginning and then it just was all consuming. I guess my definition of success is just being able to be prolific and Making a record down at Fame and Muscle Shoals was always a bucket list thing, and there's nothing inhibiting me from doing that. So as long as I can keep being as ambitious with my goals as I ever was and getting to do them, then I feel like that's pretty awesome. So we pretty much finished recording and mixing all the songs for the forthcoming album that we did down in Fame. Uh, we recorded with some of the Swampers. David Hood is bass legend, played on a bunch of the tracks. And we had some folks from Alabama Shakes on the record as well. And uh, Jenny Lewis's band. We had a keys player from her band. These amazing singers who sing with Emily King and Brittany Howard. I'm huge fans of theirs. Were uh, vocalists on the record. And Ben Tanner who's an Alabama Shakes, uh, produced the record. And he's just, it was a treat to work with him because he's very creative. He's done a lot uh, 
of work on the record that's just experimental and fun, and he went there. I think it's just if you believe the the singer and the band, and and the intention is there. I think that's the soul. It's not about vocal acrobatics and all that. It's more about just. Do you feel like everyone who's playing that is lost in what you're listening to right now? So Fame is basically like a time capsule, and they have all of the album artwork on the walls, but it's people that you feel like if they're watching you, you want to bring your A game. <laughs> it's Aretha Franklin and Rolling Stones and, of course, the Allman Brothers and uh, Wilson Pickett, just these crazy, legendary artists and, and songs. Percy Sledge, that was one of the first songs they ever cut there, When a Man Loves a Woman. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to slack off today. You want to want to live up to that energy. But they also take such good care of the equipment. It's in impeccable shape, but they haven't changed anything because why fix what's not broke? Mm-hmm. 